Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to 3 Yards Per Carry, but before we go on with today's episode, let me tell you about a great sponsor of the 3 Yards Per Carry podcast, and that is AutoNation. If you're looking to buy or sell a vehicle, AutoNation is where you want to go. They're the largest auto retailer from coast to coast, and the friendly and knowledgeable staff here in South Florida will help you save big on huge selection of new cars, trucks, and SUVs, Toyota, Honda, Chevrolet, Mercedes-Benz, and much, much more. If you're looking to buy pre-owned, shop AutoNation's huge selection of one-priced pre-owned vehicles. They're all clearly marked with one price, their lowest price, guaranteed. Or if you just want to get rid of that old car, turn it in for cash today. Get a top dollar offer and check the same day. They'll buy your car with no purchase necessary. Is your check engine light on? Right now, get their services you need at low AutoNation prices. Oil changes, tires, batteries, and more. All for less. Call or visit AutoNation.com to schedule your appointment today. If you are in the market for a new car, DM us at 3 yards per carry. That's at the number 3 yards per carry on Twitter. And I'll give you an AutoNation senior manager your info so they can reach out to you directly and walk you through the buying process. Now, on with the show. Welcome to 3 Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. Uh, this is me, Chris Kaufman. I'm going to host today. I'm going to play the host because I'm going to pepper Alfredo Arteaga with lots of questions. But we don't have Simon Clancy today. Uh, sorry for those Simon fans out there. We have replaced him with a special guest, which will be on or who will be on in the second half of the show. And that is Ethan Skolnick, the, uh, the godfather himself, of Five Reasons Sports Network. Um, so he'll be on to discuss the Dolphins with us. He's got a lot of experience, obviously, you uh, following the, the Dolphins. People, you forgot to tell the people that Simon is actually covering the Eagles-Titans game. I wanted to leave that out because that's, that's, that feels like a betrayal. I, and, and I don't want to hurt our uh, listener's psyche in that way. But do you um, think that Simon will have the opportunity to talk to a certain backup quarterback? Mm, 
<laughs> you know what? I hope hopefully it, it he will. He will if he ever puts the towel down and stops toweling his taint after the after the game. Uh <laughs> then he might he might be able to get a question in. Yeah. Because we all know how um how spick and span that uh, Mr. Tannehill likes to keep uh, his business. Um, but anyway, I, I want to get into, we've got a lot of stuff to get into. And so we're going to get right into it because there was a week of practices last week. Started off with a bang. Uh, we talked to you last weekend or last week on the podcast. Uh, during the weekend, rather, there was a change at the offensive line coach um, uh I guess the offensive line coaching with Dave DiGuglielmo taking over for Pat Flaherty. We talked a little bit about that. And then there was a week of practices, and we saw um, also Brian Flores kind of admitted that Ryan Fitzpatrick was ahead and was the number one quarterback and right now. And today, too. And reinforced it again today after a week of practices and after a scrimmage. So let's get into it. The week of practices, Alf, you were there every single day. Every single day. What did you see? First off, let's start with the quarterback position. That is the headline position. What did you see during the week of practices? Well, I think uh, people are getting a little ahead of them themselves by saying that Josh Rosen is really coming on and overtaking Ryan Fitzpatrick. All he's mm-hmm. merely doing is looking as good as Ryan Fitzpatrick and sprinkling in a couple of days where he's actually looked better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. So he's actually mm. drawing close to Ryan Fitzpatrick, but has he overtaken him? Well, Coach Flores today reiterated, no, he has not. Mm. And as it turns out, it seems that Ryan Fitzpatrick will start on Thursday. At least that's every indication we've gotten so far. And pretty much what has happened during this, this quarterback battle is that Josh Rosen started so bad that a lot mm. of people were proclaiming the, the whole competition absolutely dead. Mm-hmm. And then he started showing glimmers of competency mm-hmm. and people started elevating those performances to really, really good when they really weren't. Mm. I will say this. He had a very good scrimmage. I felt he was very good in that scrimmage, but let's grade it. You know, let, let's, if, you know, if, if we're going to, if we're going to really, you know, applaud his performance, let's grade it. Like he's a big boy. That was an you know what's inter- end zone to Xavier Howard that blew his best drive of the day. Ah, that's right. At the end of the, this was at the end of the, you're referring to at the end of the scrimmage, it was basically the last throw of the scrimmage, was it? Um, It was Uh, one of them. It was the last throw of live football. Yeah, so. They did goal line work after that. Okay, and at the end of the scrimmage, they were, he was driving. This was after though, by the way, a a really big pass to Kenny Stills down the field. Which is, so I, I don't see the controversy here. Some, some people are like, you know, ah, Xavier Howard blew it. He could have intercepted that ball. And other people are like, hey, he threw it out there for his receiver to make a play, and he did. Um, and especially in that situation, you know, they were kind of like, it was kind of like an end of game situation, desperation situation. And he made the right call. He, he made the right throw, made a big play, yeah, got him down there. Time. It was a great drive and, all, all around. I think, uh, And then capped it off by throwing one right into Xavier Howard's hands, evidently. Yeah, he called because uh, 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 everything was tempo. And he had – first of all, he was, he was really accurate. And that bomb to Kenny Stills, it was just a great play by Stills. Mm. Uh, my notes from that exact play was he throws it deep to Stills and this is going to be intercepted because it looked like Xavier Howard had a beat on it. It looked mm-hmm. like Xavier Howard was actually measuring the ball. And then Kenny Stills just beat him to it. He was like, like, like punt returning. He's like backing up for a punt. Yeah, like, like he saw it coming, and he did throw it out there. Uh, that was a good yeah. 55 yards out in the air. But 
he drives the team all the way down to the five, calls a, a tempo play, calls a quick out, and Xavier Howard ran the route for for Isaiah, Isaiah Ford. And the ball mm-hmm. went through both of his hands, went behind him and into Isaiah Ford's hands for a touchdown. So if we're going to grade him. Well, good on Ford, be, though. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, he was there. You know, it's, he, it's hard to make plays on tip ball. So that's, yeah. that's good on Isaiah Ford. And yeah. I got a, a couple of questions on this, though, for you because you're there. Um, okay. So do you think if you've said that you think maybe the Rosen train is, is – getting a little getting a little farther along getting a little uh yeah so do you think that that is part in part because uh, i mean does rosen just look more attractive uh next to a ryan fitzpatrick i mean he's clearly younger he's got fresher legs he's um he's got uh you know he's got a better arm and and he can spin the ball better uh do you think that that's you know that that's really part of it that rosen doesn't have to do as much to, to be called more, you know, better player than Ryan Fitzpatrick, and that's part of the reason. And and is that even fair? If that if that is the case, I mean, is that just fair to say? I mean, well, I made the point. I made the point. I made the point on Twitter not too long ago where a guy was telling me, I heard that uh, that Fitzpatrick was better on this day. You know, why did you grade it uh, a tie? And I said, well, I felt that. No, why did you give it to to Rosen? And I said, mm-hmm. well, I felt that Rosen was equal to Fitzpatrick. But Rosen is being handicapped by his teammates in mm. in these practices because he has not gotten off of second team. He's had second team wide receivers, second team tight ends, second team offensive line. More importantly, okay, I don't mind the wide receivers because his second unit almost always has Preston Williams, almost always has Isaiah Ford. I think both guys are, are capable NFL wide receivers. He also gets a lot of a lot of run with Alan Hearns. Like, mm. there's nothing to complain about there. But, what about like Jakeem Grant or somebody like that? No, he hardly ever works with Jakeem Grant. Only oh, really? QB warmups. Okay. So, you know, and remember, Jakeem Grant has missed now three days in a row now, or is yeah, it, a couple uh, days. Is it three or four? No, it is four. It is. Let me see. Yes, uh, four. He's missed four days in a row. So mm. yeah, it's he hasn't worked with him that much. So he's had fine skill talent around him, but that offensive line, that second team offensive line, you know, he just doesn't have much time. Right. And Fitzpatrick for, you know, whatever we may think of the first team offensive line, I don't think it's particularly great. It still does have Larry Tunsil on it. Mm. And Jesse Davis, I think, has had a decent camp. That's an, that's promising to hear because, you know, listen, that, that right tackle position, a lot of teams spend first round picks to to fill it and fill it right. And, um, and you know, if you get a starter, if you get a, a guy that's, worthwhile as a starter just mm-hmm. from your own roster you know kind of shopping from your own closet then that's uh um that's something although i wouldn't i wouldn't put jesse davis there yet until we see him go and we we went through we, this is this is old stuff we went through on the podcast remember the list of who he's gonna face yeah so he's gonna have he's gonna have a bumpy ride um yeah, what's also interesting so, is that today the the first depth chart was released and jordan mm-hmm. mills is listed as the starter at right tackle you know i got a bone to pick with that though um on the Jordan Mills situation, because Dave Hyde, who I I respect him tremendously, uh, wrote an article where he basically said, you know, explicitly, Pat Flaherty, one of the reasons he was hired, the big reason he was or fired, uh, was because he wouldn't give a leg up to the young players, to the rookies, mm-hmm. and um, and so you know, so he 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 couldn't be on board anymore because 
they needed to see these young guys play and they want to start, you know, Shaq Calhoun and, and obviously Michael Dieter and stuff like that. And I got a bone to pick with that. I don't know what you feel about it, but listen, I mean, if you're Chris and, and he specifically, Dave Hyde said higher ups. So mm-hmm. he, he wasn't necessarily saying Flores, you know, and so if, if you're Chris Greer, and you're, you're looking at, like, how do, you, how do you excuse yourself there? Because you signed Jordan Mills, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, yeah. you didn't have to sign Jordan Mills. You signed him for, like, a couple million dollars as a veteran that has a lot of skins on the wall playing right tackle. So what do you expect your offensive line coach to do, but, you know, if he's got a bunch of young, young rookie scratch-off tickets and then a guy that has a bunch of skins on the wall? He's probably going to be like, yeah, I, th- I think I want to start the guy with experience. Yeah, um, I don't understand. I don't understand why these teams do this with, with the depth chart because that depth chart that was released today was completely phony baloney. Jordan Mills yeah, is – totally. He has not taken a first-team snap at right tackle in five mm-hmm. practices. That's half yeah, and we see where this is where this is going too. Since yeah. Dave DeGuglielmo took over, yeah. I mean Jesse Davis has been in, at right tackle every single practice since Dave DeGuglielmo got elevated, yeah. and Shaq Calhoun and uh, and Michael Dieter have been part of the starting rotations ever since uh, then as well. Although Shaq Calhoun did rotate in that first string as you know as as I understand it with guys like Will Holden and some other guys. Yeah, but, but I it mean it's like it's looking like Shaq Calhoun once again. Mm-hmm. Uh, grab the hold of that spot and today was a walkthrough day which suggested you know mm. like I, I don't know what I can report but I'll just go ahead and say it because I said it in the note uh that offensive line that I that I posted Tunsil, mm-hmm. Dieter, Kilgore, Calhoun, Davis those were the guys that were out there with the first team walking through today there's only a yeah. day of practice till the game on Thursday. So yeah. that could be the starting offensive line. I, I bet I bet so much money on that exact line being the starting line for the uh, for the preseason game number one on Thursday. Um, but you know, getting back to getting back to the Josh Rosen thing, like how do you score it? You wrote you wrote a Twitter thing earlier, and you you kind of did like a boxing scorecard on Josh Rosen versus Ryan Fitzpatrick. How would you score it? I mean, do you take do you take directionality into into a um, into account here? Like, does the hot the guy that's coming on lately does he get more points for you, or is it just the whole competition, the whole couple of weeks? I think it's the whole competition, the whole couple of weeks, and and a lot of people tend to fall in love with the the completion and the fake touchdown because trust mm. me, these are fake touchdowns because sometimes some of these guys are running free at the fifteen yard line. And mm-hmm. our free safety that can grab the angle and stop them at the two is giving up because yeah, I see that. <laughs> you know, actually, there was a there was a video today, and um, Preston Williams had an out and up, and it looked like a twenty four. Is is that Tory McTire? I forget who that is. Um, yes, but Tory anyway, McTire. he had a, he had a big uh, big completion on Tory McTire. But you saw the safety come over, yeah, and and tag him, and it was like oh, touchdown, Preston Williams, big play. I was like, okay, it was a big. It was a big play, yes. but the safety tagged him. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes. And this is not live, you know, tackle everybody to the ground situations. Yeah. But so people, I, people fall in love with all these plays. I tend to look at different things. What I, what I do is that I, I process the formation, and then I look at the rock combinations. And what I do mm-hmm. is that most of these guys are right-handed, and what I mean right-handed is that they tend to start their progressions right-handed. Mm-hmm. And in practice, especially in practice – you're usually not going to go too deep into progressions because the rush is going to get there. They're going to blow the whistle. They're going to call sack. They're going to call no play, right? 
So you're always going to see the first or second read get targeted on, on mm-hmm. most of these practice plays. So what I do is I watch what, whatever the, the route combination is on that side, and I see, you know, what is it that the play is designed to do and what the quarterback actually did. Mm-hmm. And then what I do is I replay it in my mind, and I say, okay, now I know what he was looking at. For many days, Josh Rosen was just not trusting that window was actually open. He was, it was, mm-hmm. he was hesitating. At the, at the bottom of his drop, he was hesitating to let the ball go because he was seeing – I'm not saying that he was seeing monsters out there, but he's seeing smaller windows than what they actually were. While Ryan Fitzpatrick was letting it rip. And, yeah, some of them do get intercepted. But if you don't get intercepted in camp, you're probably not trying. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. I think Josh Rosen has turned a corner in that regard. He's trying more things, and he's being a little bolder with his with his selection. So, yeah, he's come on. He's he's earned the grade that he's gotten. But you saw you saw how I scored it so far. He's behind a point with yeah. one practice to go <laughs> before the game. Yeah, I think I, I, what people don't understand is that you know a lot of a lot of these situations that you're getting you're reading it you're reading the field and you're going through your pro- progression you have to read the apex player there's often first first window and second window mm-hmm. for uh for these routes and and some of the 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 issues that you would have with a Josh Rosen from from you know maybe a year ago with Arizona is it, he kept unnecessarily going second window um and and putting a lot of pressure on his receivers because of that and if the timing is not there for the that then it, it just really gets um you know it, it gets hairy uh, yeah. so I think it sounds it sounds like uh in some of the instances I know some others around camp have been sort of criticizing uh, him for this as well is is being a little late and and yes. I think going with that second window maybe a little too much or um or checking down a little bit too much although it is worth noting also that in this offense the extremely well-timed check down is a huge part of it and Absolutely. is is a big part of how they move the, they move the ball down the field so checking down is not automatically a bad thing and this, i mean philip rivers and tom brady are the best i've seen at it um and and they're they're you know fantastic quarterbacks but um but yeah, i think let me, I, let me just say today i gave a, a t- i don't know if you've been watching my my notes every single day on fivereasonsports.com mm-hmm. but i hand out a practice mvp trophy and usually it's two or three guys and then i say who has struggled today's mm-hmm. Eguan was a guy who struggled and the reason he struggled is because good lord was he having a hard time picking up Kenyon drake out of the backfield oh was he yeah so well he just uh, i mean despite having he says that he's run a four four five we didn't get to that on the pod the other day but yeah or last week um but he says that he has like an Instagram picture of him running, supposedly running a four four five. Coming out of college, though, he was like two hundred twenty some odd pounds and ran in the solidly in the four sevens. So I suspect he could have some issues with Kenny Drake at times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was, it was bad today. Yeah, and that's some, that's somewhere where Jerome Baker has, you know, he shined, you know. Yeah, but, you know, he's he has his injury and. I don't know, you know, if it's going to hold them out because, you know, this this regime is not very forthcoming, you know, forthcoming as far as injuries. Mm-hmm. No, they just tell you, OK, this guy is out today and it could be anything. It could be <laughs> it could be a spinal cord injury or it could mm-hmm. be a, a hangnail. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we just don't know. But Jerome Baker, uh, we can only deduce, you know, and this is all speculation that it was a groin injury. 
And he came back to the field, but he did not participate in the rest of practice. Yeah. So I don't know if he will play on Thursday. I would say. Given that this is preseason, yeah, given that this yeah. is preseason, I think caution is um, – there, especially since they've – uh, and they placed so much on him, and, yeah, and he's uh, had so many splash plays this, this yeah. training camp. I th- I think that if you're looking for a guy on the defense that you know, as as Paul Pasqualoni used to say, has the sombrero on him, um, it's Jerome Baker because they're going to use him in a lot of different ways. Yep, it's pretty clear that they do view him as a line of scrimmage pass rusher uh, when they need him as a fifth rusher. He's got the speed clearly to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just whether the size, the you know arm le- lengthiness, I guess, um, and physicality, whether those factor in on actual game day when real bolts are fi- flying and everybody's being as physical as they can. We'll see about that. I, I'm hoping for the best because I, I really like him. I mean, did, did you did you get a, a feel for his personality, what he is in the locker room? Oh, it's really gregarious and, you know, uh, and, and really forthcoming with whatever you ask him. Whatever you ask him, he's, he's going to give you a full answer and mm-hmm. really good with the media. Even when – even because when, usually the, the, the media relations people, they'll make certain players available and other players – you, know, you could tell that there's some players on this team that say, you know what, I'm not talking to the media today. Right. You know, just shoo these people away from me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and I could sense it because there was a – I'm not going to out this player, but there was a player I wanted to talk to today because I had some really good questions for him. And I could tell that that guy had, had wanted no part with anybody. So <laughs> I didn't bother. But other guys are really outgoing. Xavier Howard is one of them. Nobody hmm. is more outgoing and accommodating with the media than Jerome Baker. He really is. Uh, he talks to everybody and will answer any question. He has a big smile on his face, goes 100 miles an hour. He's the Jakeem Grant on the defense. He's like, if you have 53 of those guys, you should be a really, really good football team. Well, I'm, speaking of Jakeem Grant and him being in the same sentence as Jerome Baker, uh, who are the most locked-in guys, the mo- most locked-in players that you've seen through – I mean, you've been to 10 practices now. So the mm-hmm. guys that are just always bringing it, the guys that are seem always focused, who are the most locked-in? Well, let me tell you one thing. Uh, after day one, I looked at Princeton Williams, and I was like, what in the hell is this guy think he's doing? Mm-hmm. I think I told you on the podcast, he looked like you did. a nine-year veteran that had 75 touchdowns and had made seven Pro Bowls. And this was beneath him. You know what I mean? And I even remarked it to, I spoke to several people. One of them, Omar Kelly, and everybody was remarking about, yeah, like, what is he doing? Mm-hmm. Well, so I, I think somebody got into him because since then, <laughs> since then. Well, you know, you know what got into him? I, I, this is my theory. Uh, if you look at the timeline, uh, Alan Hearns, when he was signed, from the moment Alan Hearns was signed to now, Preston Williams has had his hair on fire, at least as per people like you who are at practice and watching it. Yeah. And a lot of people like, uh, you know, one guy made fun of me, like, really, what can you get from a wide receiver warm-up? I'm like, a a ton. Trust me. (laughs) You can get a ton from a wide receiver warm-up. Trust me, if your wide receivers look like crap in a warm-up, they're probably crap. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and and people ask me the same thing because when I go to the Shrine practices every year, you know, where where do you see – value when you when you're looking at these guys where do you see um guys that'll click for you and and say wow that's 
that is an NFL player. And you'd be surprised that it can actually be in the warm up period. Yeah. Uh, when you see when you because that's a, especially if you're able to you're able to be on the field and and sort of get closer and kind of I'm not saying anything uh, anything weird, but feel the way that they're structured and the way that they move. Um, yeah, you can you can get a lot from it and you can, you can get a lot from their demeanor and how they're, uh, how they're approaching it. Uh, it it's, it's surprising and probably something that you don't necessarily know unless you've been there trying to do it. Yeah. And the same thing with the quarterbacks, like when the quarterbacks do their, their warm up period, it's an extended warm up, and you want to see accuracy because they're, they're throwing an 18 yard out. They're throwing a little, they're, they actually throw some, some bubble screens too. So they're throwing like an array, an array of, passes that they're actually going to have to throw in the practice that that follows the warm-up so you want them to see you want them to see you know you want to see some accuracy some urgency you know you, you want to see them spin it and right and if they're, they're if they're killing ants in that part of practice which trust me it happened once with josh rose mm-hmm. the, the, those first two days were, were embarrassing i wrote about it those first two days for both quarterbacks really were yeah. kind of embarrassing yeah uh, they didn't look like pro pro quarterbacks like you well know, wait not the first two days i thought i thought ryan fitzpatrick was actually supposed to have been really good in in practice on those first because rosen was horrific the first two days but fitzpatrick wasn't all that great where fitzpatrick was ungodly was in minicamp mm. in minicamp he looked oh, like right. an MVP candidate <laughs> <laughs> you know I was like, but, okay, so you didn't, so Preston Preston Williams bit lacks to start out. Maybe maybe somebody gets in his ear. Maybe Alan Hearns gets signed, and he's like, "Holy shit!" Doing a numbers, doing the numbers calculation in his head all of a sudden. Um, so he's been locked in. Who else has been really locked in? We said Jerome Baker, said Jakeem Grant. Like, who are the? You know, just give me fifty three of these guys. Yeah, all right, I'll give you all fifty three of them. I'll give you <laughs> no. All right, Adolphus Washington. <laughs> He's yeah. going to make this team. He's going to make this team. Okay. Carradine going to make this team. I think. All right. So he's locked in. He's like. Yeah. I think Jonathan Woodard has a problem. I think he has a problem in his, in his hands. He's doing things that other guys can do and are actually bigger and better at, at doing. So hmm. I don't think John, Jonathan Woodard might be a bubble guy. Andrew Van hmm. Ginkle for being a late round draft pick is going to get snaps on this team. If looks practice, a bit like a serial killer. Yeah, if practice is any indication, this is a guy that's going to get anywhere between 15 to 25, maybe 20, 25 Heads snaps in his freezer? Maybe. That and snaps in a football game. So, And, of course, Sam Aguivon, everybody likes him. Uh, Eric Rowe has come on for a week straight now. Yeah, that's 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 been a surprising uh, development because initially it wasn't so good, right? Yeah, Montre. Yeah, absolutely. No, initially he was having problems. Montre Hardage uh, mm-hmm. had had some moments today. He was an absolutely a mitigated disaster. Ooh, ouch! He's <laughs> playing safety now, right? Yeah. I mean, this is, I, I mean, safety in as much as probably it's probably a similar safety position to what you see. Uh, the likes of Minka Fitzpatrick playing, but um, yeah, but I and, think it, and let me say, let me say, a lot of people were thinking, uh, you know, that that pass today that Rosen should have completed to Kenny Stills. Kenny Stills. Some people were saying it was overthrown. I don't mm-hmm. know if it hits if it hits both of your hands. Yeah, should have it. You know, it is it is a very fine line when it's like over the shoulder and you got to run 
all out for it and flat yeah, out like and, it can and, be and it, it can be an inch too long <laughs> too long but you can't yeah. really fault the quarterback for that because it's not like the quarterback can like dial it back that one inch you know it's yeah, and it was and it was such a majestic pass because it was yeah. one of those you know uh rosen you know does the play fake and you see at the bottom of his drop which is about five and a half almost six steps he just lets it rip and that thing is maybe 55 yards in the air so you know it's you know it's a play you want to have but you see it and you're like whoa that, that's that's impressive but not to get on a, not to get on a side thing here but rosen specifically because you mentioned the deep ball and he really yeah. belted it out there um what have you seen from him on the deep ball in practices this week? Because, you know, going back to UCLA, he struggled. He struggled with anything beyond 20 yards. And, go, of course, going to Arizona, he really struggled with anything beyond 20 yards. Um, have, you heard the, have you heard the term aim small, miss small? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think that that's what he's trying to, he's trying to do. He's trying to be safe with it, but he's getting the ball out there. He's just he's just trying not to throw interceptions. I see. So he's so he's he's throwing it a bit long. Yes. So that he doesn't he's afraid to underthrow it and turn it into a jump ball situation. Yeah, he's letting it rip. He's letting you know he's you know he he's winging it. He's winging it out there and trying to lead guys toward the sideline or lead guys away from the safety. And okay. So of, so that's do part you see the reason you why I said that Hardage had a really bad time because Hardage I think was playing the arm and not the actual pass. Mm. And he was letting a guy like Kenny Stills. Mm. If you're a safety, you should be you should be in front of Kenny Stills, okay, <laughs> uh, on a go route. You shouldn't let Kenny Stills beat you by five or six yards. And that's what happened on that play. Do you think he could stand to put more air under? I mean, some people like air under the uh, under the deep ball. Some some NFLers quite honestly don't. Um, this was as close to a game situation as you can get, and that thing yeah. out there, 55 yards nice. on time. Like I don't think it can be thrown any better. And what? Okay, so speak about that. The, the scrimmage, the him, game, course, the game right. situation, the but game situation. Can do it. You know? Well, right, obviously. But let's speak about the scrimmage in terms of its game situation. You said that this was as close to a game situation as you get. Was it? Was it full tackling? Like how was? How was it out there? Like what was the intensity? The intensity was fine at the line of scrimmage. The hitting was strong at the line of scrimmage, but the the hitting down the field. Mm-hmm. was more rap and they were calling the contact on mm-hmm. the field the referees were calling the contact like they were blowing the whistle early do you yeah. think it's going to be more a much more intense at, at at the preseason game on thursday oh i would oh, obviously obviously because yeah. they're gonna have full full tackling but yeah. i thought that that they were hitting as far as the offensive line and the defensive line there was contact there you know uh, the but- and some people were complaining especially armando saguero was saying that they were a little late and getting stuff in mm-hmm. and yeah they had some moments uh especially the offense with, or the defense the offense especially with all the okay. pre-snap, all the pre-snap penalties but i thought it had i had a lot to do with i wouldn't say substitutions but i think it was the play call and mm. i think they tried to do too much for for what was a scrimmage i think they, they should have just scripted plays and just ran them Mm. But they really tried to simulate like a game situation, and they were actually calling plays. They had headsets on, and I'm sure I didn't see them, but they closed off one of the boxes, so I'm pretty sure they had assistants up there. And the assistants were probably, who knows, relaying stuff down, and they were trying to call plays against each other, and that's why they ran into so many pre-snap penalties. Well, that's interesting. It's interesting that you actually bring that up about the uh, the play calling, because I know that I've heard you talk about – 
Patrick Graham on the defensive side of the ball and how quickly he's getting in the personnel packaging and, and the play call in on defense. And then on offense, you know, at the scrimmage anyway, it seemed like maybe they were trying to do a little bit too much and, and there was some kind of issue there. You're going you're gonna to see that a little bit more in the preseason setting, I think. Um, and it'll be interesting to, to follow that storyline because we do have both – on both sides of the ball, we have new first-time play callers, do we not? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's, it's, a, Although it's definitely something to watch. Yeah, because uh, Ben Volen was there. Um, he's a mm-hmm. big for the New England Patriots now, uh, which mm-hmm. is odd why he was there. But, you know, I guess, you know, Belichick sent him out here to, to spy on whatever we're doing. I think so. Yeah. I'm, ben would do it. I know Ben. So, I've had so beers with Ben. Because uh, the question was asked of Coach Flores, you know, uh, these are going to be two first-time play callers. And Flores pointed out that the last preseason game, uh, they always had – an assistant call the plays and the Patriots used to have Josh McDaniel cede the control to Chad O'Shea and Chad okay. O'Shea would call the plays in the fourth preseason game. And supposedly okay. Patrick Graham had done it before also. So okay. this is not a first, but it's a first for this team and a first for both of them. And it could also be, it could also be that the there's, field, by the way. yeah, but it could also be as you suggested, I think that there's just so much, verbiage and so much um so much that goes into the play call like especially on offense and the way the the i think the patriots call their plays and and um they might be calling several plays at the same time stuff like that maybe it's just these guys are taking a bit to to process that too yeah and a lot of people are gonna like patrick graham by the way uh yeah hopefully this team doesn't hide his personality Mm mm-hmm and hopefully this team is good. You know, hopefully his, you know, his unit is good. You know, hopefully. Well, he- the best way to hide everybody's personality is for the team to absolutely suck and then not get covered at, <laughs> if the at defense, all. If the defense is ranked 28th, nobody's going to give yeah. a Yeah, nobody's going to give a damn about how cool Patrick Graham is. Yeah, Patrick Graham's pretty fun. He's a fun guy. We'll answer questions also. Although Smart guy. Very, very smart. Absolutely. And I love the way he answers questions. They were asking him about, you know, three four and four three and all that and he was like i don't know what the hell none of that stuff is all i can tell you and and he had a, a great quote which was all i can tell you is that we will have at least one defense alignment out there <laughs> so, so. you know what i like about listening to him just from my personal experience as opposed to matt burke um a year ago and yeah. you know two years ago is whenever i would listen to matt burke he always sounds like he, he he's able to sound good. Like he's able to sound like he's like he's, he knows what he's talking about or, or, you know, and, and a lot of people that I found a lot of people that got into gaggles with him and, and would just talk, talk shit with him. They were, they were generally very impressed by him often, but when it, when you do some digging, <laughs> when yeah. you do a little bit of digging on what he's saying, it was staggering how full of shit he was and and or at least that was my experience as i as a you know you go back and see what his what his recall was of of certain plays and and stuff like that and what he was seeing and what he's describing out there versus what was actually happening um and and what he was talking what he's talking about about his decisions about you know packaging and stuff like that it sounded nice but it was so full of shit uh, just absolutely out the ears full of shit yeah. and uh and patrick graham and i I'm, I'm sorry to you know call out a guy like that but it, it really was 
And Patrick Graham, on the other hand, you know, when I, when I listen to him and I hear him talking about things, I'm like, you know, if you dig and you look at it, cause we've looked into the Patriots playbook and there are, there are plays in the, from the straight out of their playbook out there that you can find in the public sphere. Um, he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> he's he's yeah. saying the right things. He's talking about the right things and he's talking about them in the right way. And uh, it's really interesting and really promising. All right. Well, we've gone through a lot of this week of practice and gone through the scrimmage and we've had enough of just, uh, just us two assholes talking to you guys. Now we're going to bring on Ethan Skolnick, uh, the grand poobah of the five reasons sports network and he's going to talk to us about uh, a little bit of dolphins history a little bit of dolphins present and uh and we're going to see where this team stacks up hey this is seth levitt who you may not know and oj mcduffie who you definitely know and we're getting ready to dive back into the fish tank that's right juice season two of the fish tank podcast right here on the five reasons sports network kicks off on tuesday august 6th with our biggest catch yet Hall of Famer Jason Taylor. I got the first hit in, and then he proceeded to to grab my face mask. And he, I swear to God, I've never seen anybody throw so many uppercuts <laughs> in so little time. And he hit me in my stomach, my solar plexus, <laughs> and my esophagus. But it was like it was like it was on a, like a boomerang. Like I just kept boomeranging. But the whole time he was holding my face mask and my head couldn't move. Hey, bobblehead. Like, this was Boomerang before Boomerang. He was even out on phones. So don't miss JT, OJ, DJ Preach, and myself. And all new guests. And most importantly, more of the best Miami Dolphins stories that you've never heard. Exactly, Big Seth. We've got an amazing lineup of your favorite Dolphins from guys I play with to guys I looked up to and even some players you'll be cheering for this season. Hey, hey, don't forget those of us who work behind the scenes, Yeah, you know I won't do that, man, because the fish tank takes you where no other Dolphin podcast can with some of the funniest, wildest, and most interesting stories of what goes on with your favorite team, players, and coaches when the cameras aren't watching. You can find The Fish Tank on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you do your podcast listening. So subscribe and start downloading today. Thanks for diving in. Yeah, yeah, uh... This is Ricky J. Mark. In a world where sports radio continues to shift around the whims of corporate interests, we understand that the constant, unexpected changes can be exhausting from time to time. So that's why we think you should sit back, relax, and take five. Uh, Reasons, that is. So go ahead, grab your smartphone, and subscribe to the 5 Reasons Sports Network, available on virtually every podcast platform. We're South Florida's fastest-growing on-demand sports media network, so you decide when you want to tune in. You decide when you want to listen. Because we know your life can be hectic, go ahead, fall in love with our lineup, including Five on the Floor, Three Yards Per Carry, The Fish Tank, Light Skinned Opinions, and Cinco Razones, whenever you want. All you need is an internet connection. So go ahead, tune in. Try us out. We're by Miami, for Miami, and spreading rapidly throughout South Florida. All right, and we're back. And now we have a special guest. We have Ethan Skolnick, the uh, head honcho of Five Reasons Sports Network, is on here to talk to us about the Dolphins and to make fun of Simon while he's not here. 
And, exactly. Um, no, that's the real reason, actually. That's that's yep. He jumped on it. He jumped on us so fast when we put the offer out there. We said, Simon is not going to be here. Do you, do you want to get on? Like, what do you think? But yeah. So anyway, uh, Ethan Skolnick is on with uh, with Alf and I. We're going to talk about the uh, the Dolphins a little bit more. What's been going on this week in practice and in the scrimmage, and uh, and finish up talking about the Atlanta Falcons game coming up this Thursday. So Ethan, how you how you been? How's the how's the week going uh, with uh, Dolphins practice? Like, is this really depressing for you, or is this uh, just giving you bad memories, or what? I'm more depressed about the Dow. Actually, that's why I came on this. <laughs> you guys. That's, that's the other reason he jumped on. He's that's the real reason. I, I mean, I've been out all day doing like three million things. Uh, yeah, down seven like, How much did I lose today? Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't even want to look. Uh, and then uh, yeah, I did. I, I, I did. I, yeah, I'm sure you looked. I, I, you know, this is my thing though. I should look because this is the time you're supposed to look because, as you know, yeah. this is the time you're supposed to dump the money in. But I always mm. go like like groundhog right back. Yeah, yeah. right. When Jim right. Kramer gets on TV and starts screaming that that we're having a sale, you know? Right, we're having a sale, right? Sale on Amazon. But yeah, no, I I uh, I I was out doing all kinds of other stuff. But no, I have been at Dolphins camp a few days. Um I was out there the other day with Alf. That's one of the great things about this is I get to spend uh some quality time with him as as he's sort of finding the line between giving a lot of information to his followers without pissing off the Dolphins. It's like this very fine line like because you can't give the formations but you can kind of say they're doing something different right so it's yeah it, uh, it's a tough thing and you know i do think there are a lot of people who are out there watching who don't even know what the formations are um and alf does and so it, that's you know, that's thinner that's thinner than the bid market on a day like today correct correct so it, it's it's tight and and so but you know i've enjoyed that and i've enjoyed being out there a little bit um obviously i'm kind of more focused on on the heat now with five on the floor since i converted that but uh, you know, one thing I will not do today, I promise, because somebody came at me on Twitter. Well, people come at me on Twitter all the Ooh. time. I'm arguing with some guy right now. But some guy came at me on Twitter uh, because they said every time I'm on with you guys or anything that I, I turn it into sort of telling the same Dave Wanstead and Jimmy Johnson story. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to refer to anything that happened before what i don't know 2015 maybe like oh I'll, no I'll, don't even I'll don't don't go there because that's the first question that's the first you're question gonna, Ethan. you're gonna do this to me you make i'm me doing like it old man but you make me feel like the old man and then so and then everybody gets pissed off because they're like well yeah 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 yeah. we know you covered the dolphins 20 years ago but you've been covering the heat since and and i, yeah. I know that upsets people well if you're the old man then like i'm i'm also an old man for remembering all this all this stuff from when i was reading about it so uh so i, I think I think it's fine. <laughs> the, the first question we were, you and I were discussing this earlier, actually, we wanted to talk about Preston Williams because obviously he has ascended to the level of, um, of godhood in, uh, in Dolphins camp, or at least, you know, according to the things that you read and all the, um, and all the buzz about him. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously he had a great scrimmage and was really productive. He seemed to have followed it up. Alf, uh, is this fair to say he followed yes. it up with a good day today? So, yeah, um, very good today. So, so I asked this, I put this out on Twitter and immediately got, you know, responses from all the right people. Um, I, I put this out. I said, we're going to discuss tonight, you know, is, is Preston Williams the most, you know, impressive in the first 10 days of camp so far, the most impressive rookie receiver that we've seen in the first 10 days of camp, you know, going all the way back to Chris Chambers. Maybe it's not as ridiculous a question as you might think. Now, what do you think, Ethan? Well, first thing, um, you have to look at that they haven't drafted that many receivers high over the years. That's right? true. So That's so, why it's not as ridiculous a question as you might think. It, it really is. And then I know somebody in, in, the, in the general media, a friend of mine, uh, kind of went at it as a ridiculous question today. It's not uh, because they have not drafted a lot of receivers high. In fact, 
if you really go back, see, you're doing this to me again, but if you, really, <laughs> if you really, if you really go back, like a lot of the receivers who've impressed in camp have been kind of the end of the line guys that were kind of competing for a fourth or fifth spot when you came in. So like, I'm going to go way, okay, I'm doing this way, way back. 1997, Brian Manning yes. uh, was, yes. was one guy. I, I remember him out of Stanford. He was the smart guy. I think they drafted him in like the sixth round. And I remember, uh, he was all the talk of camp that year and it didn't emerge into anything. Uh, J- it was just one fast enough. J.R. Tolver is another one you mentioned. Oh. Robert Baker, the touchdown. Yes, give me Robert Baker. Give, him, Robert give ba- it to me. But, but I will say, Robert Baker was great in training camp and in preseason games. He actually became a rapper named Shiv Shivers. Uh, <laughs> he, came, he did. And, uh, but Robert Baker. That name of Shiv? Shivers? No, Shiv Shivers. Shiv Shivers. But uh, I, I actually, I, I listened to a couple of the tracks. But one of the things uh, about Robert Baker that was one of the great sort of locker room Dolphin stories was Robert Baker had one NFL catch, one NFL catch. And I remember him being next to Rondé Gadsden in the locker room after he had that catch. And he said, I'm going to catch you. He never had another catch. That was the one. Uh, that was the only one. That, that's kind of like, uh, just again, because I have to bring everything back to the heat. That's kind of like uh, a double overtime game in Atlanta that LeBron and Dwayne missed. And Chris Bosh was out on the floor at the end with Chalmers and Terrell Harris. And Terrell Harris, uh, Alpha, remember this. Terrell Harris like, had like 16 rebounds. And I went up to Terrell after the game. I said, that was quite a game. He says, I didn't do anything. I'm going to do that again. I don't think he had 16 rebounds the rest of his entire heat career, actually, his entire NBA career. But, yeah, that was Robert Baker, Shiv Shivers. Um, Shiv Shivers. Shiv Shivers. But, but they haven't – if you look at their, their, um, their top guys that they've drafted, Devontae Parker really didn't stand out in camp. Uh, Brian Hartline nope. was drafted fourth round, I believe. It took him mm-hmm. a little bit more time. Um, Ted Ginn. Ted Ginn. And remember Patrick first, Turner. Patrick Turner was supposed to be the receiver in that. And he was a disaster. He yeah, he was a third rounder. He was a third rounder. Yeah, he couldn't play at all. Well, well, and, and there were a couple others. Okay, I was there, again, dating myself. 1997, first day of training camp. Teal Green crumpled right in front of me. Uh, mm. That was you know, 15th overall pick in the draft. Jim, if he doesn't get hurt, I, I always contended Jimmy's tenure here. What I just did it. I brought up Jimmy. But I believe his <laughs> – I believe his tenure here, drink. I believe his tenure here would have gone differently um, if uh, if he doesn't crumple in front of uh, you know you know in that training camp because he was never the same. And then Jimmy, of course, passed on Randy. Two tra- two two years in a row, by the way. Like, two years in a row, and then that remember that when they passed on Randy Moss, they took the white win Randy Moss, uh, Larry, Larry Shannon. Shannon. Oh in yes, thir- in the third round, and he couldn't play either. Like I, I mean, he was fast, but he couldn't play either. He never so, suited up in an NFL game ever. No. No, so they haven't. They really haven't had um, that many that were up high. I mean, remember they've tried to patch it with like free agents like Mike Wallace or Brandon Marshall. Mm. When I say they, I mean it's Chris Greer because he's been here for right, right. Decades. He's but, been but, there but, forever. But but but, it, but it's different regimes making decisions. But they didn't have those guys. So I have to go back to the two guys that you know I covered and became close with. Um, you know, Chambers and I'll throw in McMichael as a tight end. Mm. those were the two guys that from the jump, like you knew that first week mm-hmm. that Chris Chambers was going to be a player for them. And I'm not just saying that cause he's in our network now, but uh, you just knew with Chris uh, and Randy, Randy was even I, in some ways more impressive uh, early on. Like it was just, I mean, they, they couldn't get the ball to him enough. And then he was pissed because they didn't get the he ball. He had to that him. touchdown against New Orleans in the first preseason game. First preseason game. Like I, yes. from the very beginning, Randy could play and they've had other guys, other positions like that. And Derek Rogers or Zach Thomas through the years. And then others that they've had in recent years, not as many, unfortunately, or else the team would have been better, but they, they, but yeah, you're right. I mean, there's not someone who just sort of jumps off the page at you. Um, and so I, you know, this guy is a little bit, 
And it's just, to me, the interesting question about this is this is a team that has no depth at so many important positions. I mean, starting at the two most important other than quarterback, the lines. Mm-hmm. And they don't have any depth there. We've talked about, you know, how they're trying to develop depth at the secondary. They don't have great depth at linebacker. Their running back depth, Alpha's telling me the other day, he only likes two backs really on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they don't have great – I don't think they have great tight end depth until we see Kosicki really step forward. But they have all this depth at wide receiver, and I don't know what they're going to do with it because it, it's, it's like they've got, a bu- they've got this kid with great potential, and then they've got a bunch of like – Again, they feel like the heat to me in this way, like like a bunch of B minus to B plus yep. guys there. Um, the guys, the guys that get fifteen million a year. You get fifteen million a year to those guys. And, well, well, that's and, the problem because you've yeah. talked about this, Jakeem Grant. What do you right? Well, the the Heat would uh, in the old yeah. days, but uh, but Jakeem Grant, like uh, okay, he's you know, I mean, he's going to be expensive if he plays, mm-hmm. but how much is he going to play? I know you want him to play more, but it's mm-hmm. crowded, and I just don't you know bringing in you know bringing in you know another guy in the slot now and Hearns. I, I don't know how it all shapes out, but he looks to me like the one guy out there who could be a number one, and I don't know if any of the other guys on the roster can really be a number one. Well, that's the thing that I brought up earlier. Is like, So if we go down the list, if we're talking about the guys that they've gotten, we're talking about Derek Hagan in the third round. That's mm-hmm. obviously not, not happening. No, nobody was impressed there. Clyde Gates in the fourth round, That was nobody was impressed there. They traded a bunch of assets to get Leontay Carew. He yeah. never even made an impression You know, three years down the road, really. Um, and, and Patrick Hagan or Patrick Turner, we talked about, uh, you know, guys like this and even Ted Ginn, who was the really high pick. I think people wanted to see it with Ted Ginn. And I think people wanted to some degree, wanted to see it with Devante Parker as well, but it it was, it was always a little bit of a stretch that early. They just weren't there. And um, that's nothing, not to say that Devante Parker doesn't eventually like watch him have a ridiculous year this year. Who knows? Um, but it wasn't there in the first, the first training camp in the first couple of days the mm-hmm. ones that i would bring up that i would say you know hey these guys did make an impression from the jump past past chris chambers of course right. would be devon best who was an undrafted yes. free agent yes and then during the you know, preseason uh, he, he was not this the first 10 days of training camp i think i think that's fair i think that's a that's very fair i think the coaches were really really impressed with him uh you know kind of on background Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, you, I think that's fair about onlookers and, and you guys were at practice and you're saying it's not necessarily making these big wow plays, but the other one, the one that everybody, and the, and this is the, the beat writer you're referring to. I know this is who he's thinking of Jarvis Landry, the dolphins mm-hmm. took him in the second mm-hmm. round. And I think right away it was clear that they got a receiver that's very, um, that's very competent out there. Uh, the question is, since he was, a slot he was so obviously like a slot receiver would he have been called by an Xavier Howard a future number one you know in that right. 10 days into training camp would that have happened um probably not and, and I you know I think look when they made the pick of Jarvis I, I think just people who'd seen him in college and and kind of uh you know you know had, had sort of seen his toughness and all that stuff you know thought he'd be a really good NFL player and I and thought it was a good pick at the time um mm-hmm. but I I just no, I think I, I think the difference with with this kid is, you know, he looks like a boomer bust type player. Um, 
and they haven't had enough of those at receiver. You know, the guys who can be number ones, there is a distinction. And we had that argument. Is Jarvis Landry a true number one? And I think we came to the conclusion that he's not. And look, mm. Cleveland this Cleveland came to the conclusion that he's not, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, they just I mean, went out and bought one. They just got one, right? That is one. Odell Beckham is one. Um, there are only, I, I mean, we can maybe argue about this. I, I think there are really 12 to 15 true number ones in the NFL at any one time, right? I mean, you right. know, I mean, we can, we can name them. Hopkins is one. Julio Jones is one. You know, AJ mm-hmm. Green is one, right? Beckham is Tyree one. Kill, if he's Tyree not. Tyree Kill is one, right? The, the guys who, who basically, if you have them as your number one, it really doesn't matter that much who your two and three are because he's, he's mm-hmm. going to make those guys so much better, okay? Antonio Brown is a number one. Um, you know, and then you go back a ways, okay, and Terrell Owens was a one, and Randy Moss was a one, and sure. and, and so, you know, Marvin Harrison was a one, et cetera, and in, in, in uh, India, they probably had two number ones in, in Harrison and Wayne, but so, so that's, that to me is a thing. They, they have not really, I mean, they tried to get one in Wallace, but he wasn't, right, okay, because mm-hmm. he didn't fight for the ball enough. He couldn't run any of the intermediate stuff. Right. He was kind of made by Pittsburgh, which is always one of your fears when the Pittsburgh receiver goes somewhere else. Uh, he did. A, he did a lot. Like I don't know if you saw it the same way, but when I when I was watching him in Pittsburgh, I mean, he did mm-hmm. a lot of like what Chris Chambers did, uh, that made such a, a splash in Miami right away in that first year. Right, as a slot receiver running go routes, you know, and running running deep, and and um, I think that he made an, a splash that way. Mike Wallace did. He kind of fit within the offense and fit a role, and he had a quarterback that really could lay it out for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that that's that's what they bought, and they, that was kind of the mistake they they bought they bought somebody really expensive that wasn't well rounded, right? And with Brandon Marshall, they bought somebody who uh, was a one in terms of being a possession guy and mm-hmm. accumulating a lot of catches, but not in terms of sort of taking the top off the defense. I mean, if if you could have, I always said this: if if Henny and Tannehill had played with the other receiver, I think they would have been better off. Like mm-hmm. I, I just uh, you know like I, I think. Uh, Henny with Wallace. Uh, excuse me. Uh, you know, uh, 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 it was Tannehill with Wallace, right? And it was Henny with uh, with with Marshall. I, I feel like it would have been better off the other way. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, we talk about number ones though. There's a certain type, right? It, there's a physicality uh, right. and size, right? There's the ability to separate enough, uh, and there's the ability to get behind. Uh, you know, basically get, you know, get behind man coverage, you know, getting behind the defense is, is, I mean, it could come down to size, but it can also come down to speed. Right. I mean, right. They're substitutes there. Right. So, so if you've got the, if you've got the length, if you've got the length, then, you know, you can, you can shave your speed a little bit down. You can be a little bit slower. If you've got the length, if you, if you don't have the length and if you, then you better be faster, but if, you do, a lot of those guys that we're talking about. Yeah. Or faster. you do what the New Orleans Saints have been doing for, for ages, which is just bring in new specialist after new specialist to, to right, yeah, right. the defense and then True. keep a number but, one, but, but, but like but they have now in Mike Thomas. Mike, right. So, so up now yes. Mike Thomas is arguably, if he's not top, he's top three in the NFL, right? He's being paid like it. And, Absolutely. And he can do all of those things. I, I think mentioning Chambers is interesting because if Chris was on this pod right now, he would tell you this because I was with him through all of this, you know, transformation for him. So he comes in the first year and remember they had, they had Gadsden, they had McKnight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this was after Leslie Shepard, I believe, right? Cause Shepard yes, was this year. So they had Gadsden, they had McKnight, they brought in James um, and James had the speed, but sometimes had issues with his hands. Uh, and and Gadsden had the hands, but didn't have the speed, right? So no toes, yeah, or, 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 or right, exactly. <laughs> so so you had those two guys, and if you remember that first year, uh, I mean, I remember the numbers off the top of my head: forty-eight catches, eight hundred eighty-three yards, I think eleven touchdowns, right? 
And Chris, you know, a lot of those were, and maybe we'll say Jay couldn't throw the deep ball. I was in Indianapolis for, I believe, two, two deep touchdowns. Buffalo, two deep mm-hmm. touchdowns. Um, you know, Chris was able to get behind the defense, but a lot of that was he was the third guy. And he was getting mm-hmm. matched up in the slot a lot. And he would tell you that. So then they transitioned off of that where Chris became the man. And it really took him. Part of this was bad quarterback play, okay, which, I mean, Chris didn't play with a good quarterback, uh, and no offense right. to Jay, but he didn't play with a, a plus quarterback until he went to San Diego and played with Rivers. But, you know, if you look at it, it really took him until that year in 2005 under Saban mm-hmm. where he really put it together as a number one. That was the one year that he did it, and a lot of it, he'll tell you, was he had a conversation with Nick, and Nick told him, we're going to go to you this year, okay, and this is what we want you to do. And for all the problems that people have with Nick, Chris doesn't actually because, uh, you know, he felt Nick was pretty straightforward with it. Chris and, and Jason Taylor, like the two that had mm. no issues with Nick. So, uh, you know, I, I just think that, you know, with Chris, we saw it's difficult to become uh, a number one. And I think so. So Preston Williams is a guy who's sort of obviously big talent issues off the field, which are, you know, to me questionable. Um, and then, you know, but he's coming in here and he's kind of popped out of nowhere. And so a guy like Xavier Howard is looking at this guy and he's like, I would assume the way he's looking at it is this guy has physical tools that other receivers on this team don't have, right? That's why he's saying he's, he's a number one. And it's no offense to Kenny Stills, who I think has made the absolute most of what he has and serves a definite role for this team. And it's no offense to Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant, who obviously we saw last year in the first like five, six games when they were utilized, what they can mm-hmm. do. And it's no offense to Devontae Parker's gifts. But this kid seems to have gifts beyond Devontae Parker. Right. And Devontae Parker was a first-round pick. So, I don't know. I, it, it is one of the more promising developments of camp. To me, Mike Drop was just hearing what Xavier Howard said about him, but also, you know, what somebody, Carl Durrell, who's been here before um, as a wide receivers coach, what he had to say about him and talking about his bend and his flexibility, how he runs routes. He's a six foot, he's close to six foot five. He runs routes like a five foot eight inch guy. That's really rare. You know, if you're talking about things that a guy has, that's kind of really rare. And you're talking about it within that route running context, uh, rather than just, just pure size speed profile. Um, then you're, then you're really talking about something, but, uh, but I mean, Alf, you've, you've watched them all, all through the week, all through the scrimmage. I mean, have you seen any, uh, have you seen better? I mean, have you seen better from anybody? No, and what I can say about Preston Williams is that other receivers, you see that they hurry through the route, like trying to get it over with because they have maybe the clock in their head is going off as in, as in I got to complete this route to be, to be within the window of what the quarterback is seeing so I can get the ball and not actually pay attention to the detail of actually running the route the way it's asked. And Preston Williams, uh, since I think the, the first day where he was pretty bad, since that day, he's been as good as you can be. Uh, mm. Every route is crisp. You see that he actually cares about details. He never gets, you know, Cardinal is never on his ass. He's on other mm. guys' ass, not in his. So, you know, and he's, and like I said, he's a snap monster right now. He's taking snaps with first team, second team, even third team. You know, I would say nobody else has gotten as many snaps as Preston Williams has had. So, He's obviously a favorite of the coaching staff, and I would say he made the team already. It's going to have to take mm. something catastrophic for him not to make the team. So well, if he's another made, off-field incident. <laughs> well, right, well, right. But yeah. here's here's the thing, guys. If if, uh, if he's made the team, 
I mean, how many are they keeping? Because, uh, I mean, if they're not making a trade, like you've got Stills, you've got Parker, you've got Wilson, you've got Grant rounding back in the shade. So, I mean, that's five. I guess Hearn's not in the picture then. Yeah, I mean, I think I, Alan Hearn's is then in trouble. And you have to make a calculation. Like, you know, do you want to keep to these rigid thoughts of what you need? Or are you just going to keep the best five football players? Or the best six football players. And if that's the case, then, yeah, you're probably going to have to cut an Allen Hurts. But you're rebuilding, so you have to keep the best football players, right? Aren't, aren't we at this stage? Yeah. And the youngest. I mean, that's – Right. They're going to go with the youth movement here. I think it's, uh, it's worth noting. I think, I think they, could keep, they could keep six guys, personally, um, based on, just based on what they have. They're a young team that's trying to keep assets into the future. They're not so worried about this year. And so to me, trying to cobble together the exact right number at every position isn't really going to be a, um, a huge thing for them this year. So if they, if they have six, they're going to keep six to me. Uh, Chris, let me ask you a question so our listeners know. Uh, Alan Hearns is guaranteed 500000 for this year. Right. How are the That's, mechanics of trying to trade him this season? Oh, trading him, trading him is pretty easy if somebody wants to do it. Um, I don't think that there's uh, – I mean, it's just like cutting a guy. If whatever you've already paid him, you're going to have to expense one, one year or the other. Um, that's not the issue. Actually, I was looking at Devontae Parker, and that, that's a little bit more of an interesting trade situation because he's got a two-year contract. Um, I, Alan Hearns could be interesting in as much as – He's on the one-year deal if he does stay here in Miami and then they let him expire and walk. And remember, he's only 27 years old right now. They let him expire and walk and go somewhere else next year. Then that's another – that's more fuel. That's another log in the compensatory pick fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it, it ends up on the balance sheet uh, and on one way for the compensatory picks. So that's something to keep in mind with some of these guys. But I think they can go with six. I think it's it's pretty – it should be a pretty easy decision. I think they want to keep Trent Irwin around on the practice squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's too much there, language out of them, body language out of them uh, on Trent Irwin, I think. But if you're looking at, obviously, the guys we talked about, Albert Wilson and Kenny Stills and Devontae Parker with Jakeem Grant added in, that's four, and then you're going to look at uh, Preston Williams, I think is already number five. And then it's like, you know, Alan Hearns or Bryce Butler fighting for that number six spot. And CK, uh, who plays who plays special teams then? Because they're going to need their receivers right. to play teams, right? So, I, I mean, obviously, Grant's, Grant's going to play them as, you know, an mm-hmm. offensive special teams player. Sure. Who's playing th- on the other units? It's not going to be Parker, right? I, th- I no, not it's not going to be Parker. But I think that uh, they they'll get either Alan Hearns or well, I mean Preston Preston Williams is already playing special teams True. in these practices, is he not, Alf? Yeah, he has. Yeah, so I mean that's part of that's part of the the big load of reps that they're giving him all over the place. So I think that yeah, he'll he'll be playing special teams there. But I think you you can get the special team snaps from other guys as well. Um, because there's only so many roles in special teams for the wide receivers specifically. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think, I think they'll, they'll get the reps, especially since Preston Williams will play special teams uh, and can. Well, let me, ask but, you uh, this. let me ask you this, Chris, before we get into Atlanta uh-huh. on Thursday. Isaiah Ford is finding mm-hmm. himself into, into more and more plays as these days go, go by, and Bryce Butler, I think we can all agree, is probably dead man walking. Mm-hmm. So Isaiah Ford – what is that about? I think it's about the fact that he's he's probably he's not the most natural slot receiver on the on the roster because I think that goes to Alan Hearns. 
Um, but Isaiah Ford has experience being trained on as a slot receiver and, and by past regimes here in Miami. And he's viewed as that sort of um, man-beating route runner, uh, I think. And, uh, and so that's, that's the role. That's what they – that's the attraction with him. And you're right. He has – you hear his name a lot. I just don't think – I mean, this, this numbers game at this position is, is bad. So um, it's tough for him to, to catch on. So the one other thing you guys mentioned, though, is, is that there is a tradition in this franchise, we've kind of hit on it, of receivers going from being undrafted to contributors, right, on this team. Right. I, I mean, true. you mentioned Bess. Uh, you mentioned you know, the way they picked up Gadsden out of the Arena League. Uh, right. Greg, Greg Camarillo is another one came over. Absolutely. At, so so it, it's not the craziest thing for a guy to come out of nowhere. And also, I, I do think that this serves a purpose for the new head coach because – Brian Flores is making this point over and over, right? That everybody's equal, right? Everybody's equal. Everybody's starting in the same place. Takes no talent, right? Although this kid has talent. <laughs> He's got talent. He's got talent. But take, takes no talent. And, and we're, you know, we're going to, this is going to be fair and even for everybody. I mean, he even said that, you know, I know Rashad Jones, somebody we may talk about tonight, but like, you know, Rashad Jones comes in and, you know, he's going to compete like everybody else. Well, if this kid wins it in camp, mm-hmm. If he's better than now, Devontae's been really good, but if he's better than Devontae, he's probably not going to be ahead of Stills. But if he emerges and he gets the snaps, it is another message that he's able to send. And I really think this season, as much as anything for this team, is about two things it's about cultivating young players and be part of the future, and it's about Flores setting the agenda that everybody's going to compete and the best guys are going to play and there's not going to be any legacy stuff here. Mm-hmm. And so Preston Williams allows them to do both really. And mm-hmm. so I, I think it provides that message. And also you know, if they want to be a second chance organization too, which, you know, is something that the dolphins were in certain days with certain coaches, uh, it didn't work so well with some of them, you know, Lawrence Phillips and Cecil Collins, and et cetera. <laughs> but, but, but I do think that, that there is a tone that they can set that way. So uh, I, I think this, this has emerged as one of the top two or three stories, obviously quarterback, but one of the top two or three stories of camp so far. And, and uh, I, I think he's going to be somebody that by the second preseason game that Dolphin fans will be like, wait, where do they get this kid? So, you know, you were on it early. I, I know you weren't the only one, but you were on it early. And mm-hmm. we should credit mm-hmm. you for that. Yeah, I think uh, going way back to May and uh, the draft weekend, I said, we said on we talked about him a lot. We did almost a, a whole segment on him in the uh, in the draft in April, review in an April podcast. We, we yeah, in the in the draft review podcast, we we basically did almost an entire segment on him. And I thought then, and I think I think now that he was the second best player that they acquired on draft weekend. I thought that uh, also I had him when I stacked the list of the entire off-seasons acquisitions, all of them, free agency everywhere. I thought that he is the number two acquisition in the, uh, in the entire off-season, Preston Williams is. He's, he's a talented player. Um, and, and the thing is everything, is, everything is checking out for him right now. Everything is aces for him right now. And by that, I'm, I'm talking about the language out of the coaching staff about how he's handling the absorption of the offense and how he's working and, and the, the route-running language that you're getting out of them and not necessarily – looking at him as oh yeah he's he's a big and fast kid and you know he can make big plays and I mean we've seen that before but what you want to see is the stuff about the technical nuance and that stuff's coming in right now but we'll see you know he's going to go against uh good competition we got a lot of other you know players on this this roster that a lot of other scratch off tickets that we're going to see um that we're going to see 
come off in uh, in the preseason. The, speaking of the preseason, Alf, um, Alf, you want to get into the Falcons game? Well, yeah, they're going to play a game on Thursday very quickly because we have about five minutes left in here. Chris, what do you want to see on Thursday? Well, it's almost more – It's the preseason this year is almost going to be more interesting to me than, than some of the regular season games because when the regular season starts off, it's, it's going to be – I think it might be depressing. <laughs> um, so I, I just want to preface that. That's my opinion um, And when we start getting in. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be looking at – obviously I want to see if a guy like Preston Williams – starts making plays in the preseason on top of everything that we're hearing in training camp because this could be – you want to see a player like him, it's sort of like how deep does the rabbit hole go. Um, and with a player like like him and that talented, you just never know if, if it just keeps going deeper and deeper and he becomes a really good player. So I'm going to be looking at him. You're going to want to see how that first string offensive line is. If it, if it starts to look pretty – if the first string offensive line, the one that we talked about earlier with Dieter, Shaq Calhoun, Jesse Davis at right tackle, Daniel Kilgore at center, Laramie Tunsil at left tackle, if that unit looks shaky in the preseason, then, then – 2-14 and is in play. If that right. I mean, that's, that's really, that's really what – because this is – I think they're throwing out kind of their best ball, almost their best ball. I think that – their absolute best would be finding a place for Chris Reed somewhere on that offensive line. But I mean, that's just my personal opinion. I know he has not been um, uh, headline grabbing at training camp, but I think when the preseason game starts, he, he could look a little bit better. Um, I think it's close to their best ball in the offensive line. And if it's not looking so hot, then, then start, you know, start worrying. Um, but on the other that, hand, but Chris, CK, isn't it how the, kind of how they guarantee the tank? Like when I when I look at it and I'm looking at their skill guys, I'm like their skill guys are not that bad. The right. Quarterback play could potentially be competent. I I don't have high hopes for it. Because, right. You know, de- defensively they're at really least good. one. At least one, right? They're defensively they're pretty good players. You know, all over the place except in the defensive line. I think is going to be a big problem. But right. the you know, but certainly in the secondary, their front line guys are pretty good. Uh, to me, and their kicker's good. To, to me, what they've done is they've guaranteed the tank with the line. Like I, it's like it, it's because they they can they'll figure out a way to lose a ton of games, like you know twenty four to seventeen or something at the end, mm-hmm. because there's a late sack strip. Like I, it, I just <laughs> I feel like we're gonna see a lot of that. Like they're they're gonna be in a lot of games, but the line is gonna be a, a huge problem. And as good as Tunsil is, I mean, he can't hold the whole damn thing up and. You know, even we talk about if their first line, well, okay, they're going to be playing two rookies on there, and so there's going to be struggles no matter what. Uh, you know, no matter what else they do, and and Kilgore wasn't great when he started the season last year. You hope he'll be better this year, but uh, that to me is how they've guaranteed this thing. I mean, I'm going Thursday night. I think I'm the only one for five reasons going. I, that's what I'm watching is, uh, is the line. Like I, I yeah. I'm you know because because that. That it that to me it guarantees the tank like that that's that's the be insurance the policy right um, right well I think been- that I think the actual insurance policy might be might be in the secondary and I know that that's where we have Xavier Howard and Minka Fitzpatrick and that is a good that that should be a decent unit but they're I mean you're only as good I, I mean if, especially if in a Patriots style approach and when we play the Patriots I mean they they will whoever your weakest link is they'll attack that that guy. And they have some weak links in that secondary. And what I wonder in particular is if you, when you match that secondary together with the defensive front, and I think at certain points in the game, if you get into this situation, well, so let's say Kenyon Drake 
pops off a big run early in the game or a third quarter or something like that, which he, he can do. He's fully capable. Or some of those some of those receivers, those skill position players, pop off a big play. Albert Wilson, you know, Jakeem Grant, um, Devontae Parker, somebody makes a big play, and the Dolphins find themselves ahead. What happens when the other team goes pass, pass, pass? We're going to run up and down the field on you in a, you know, sort of a, a passing situation two-minute drill. Miami's going to be coming at them with a defensive front, say they try to put out a NASCAR front with right. with four defensive ends. What mm-hmm. defensive ends? You know right. that's the, you know right. that's that's the question. The defensive front is gonna is not gonna get there. The secondary is gonna be as weak as the weak link. You've got a free safety on the back end who's five foot nine and not that fast. Um, right. You know that's so. Or you got a you know the center field and he's the last line of defense playing some deep center. So um, CK, let me ask you this, and I know we got to go. Uh, will they give up twice as many sacks as they get this year? Because I say yes. I say they give up twice as many sacks. I think they give up 50-plus sacks, and I don't think they get to 25. Would you agree with that? Uh, that's, a hard, that's a hard ratio to get to. Um, so I, think they're, I, I think they're capable. I'm, I think that's the 116 ratio. That is the 160. That's, that's a tough one to get to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wimp out and say, no, not quite. I like their skill players. I do, I, I think. But I, just, I think they've guaranteed I do too. on the lines. I, I think, I think, I think they're, they've got a bunch of scratch-off tickets, and they're going to they're gonna find out. They're going to find a number of players that, they're, that need to be here, that need to be here going forward. Yeah, they clearly haven't built the uh, the central structure that they're going to need yet, and and I, it does start at the quarterback position too. Because for all Ryan Fitzpatrick, if you look at his advanced metrics and all that, and he had some perfect type games last year with the Buccaneers and some good seasons, if you go back way back in history, um, he was also two and what was he was two and six last year with the Buccaneers. So yeah, yeah, it comes on in a game where he just really lays it on, um, but then then what you know and so and and then and then we're looking at josh rosen and that's the big that's the big wild card that we talked about earlier all right ethan tell the people where they can find you um well i i, I don't know if i'm gonna give everybody my house but i will give them uh, at five reason sports that's the number five at ethan j skolnick uh and of course uh, what i want to really uh push here alfredo is our website um five reason sports.com i'm trying to get ck to write us column about Preston Williams maybe that'll be on here this week but check out five reasons sports.com we also have dolphin maven we have hurricane maven we have heat maven we got a lot of content but those are the uh, those are the major places to find us and of course check out the other podcasts in our network as probably mentioned here in a promo on this episode but uh, fish tank this week Jason Taylor uh, for a sit down I had bam on a bio on five on the floor so we're getting the biggest guests and our network unlike radio shows we don't change the schedule on you and Download, listen when you want. And we are free, unlike the newspapers. So no paywall, unlike the newspapers. No screwy schedule changes where you're trying to find your favorite show, like the radio station. So, you know, I think that's pretty – I think I think things are looking up for us, Alf. I'll just say that. I, by the way, we changed the name of the, of, of the Five Reasons. You know that, right? It's now Five Reasons the Alf. Yeah, it makes perfect sense, to, to be honest with you. Well, it didn't win the poll. The Juice won the poll because of me and OJ. Oh, but boy. I'm going to go with the Alf. I just think it sounds better. And, of course, we have the man. We have, have your show. two stars be, you know, the talisman of the – Oh, then, it, then it's the Juice. Then it's the Juice. All right, so we'll go back to the Juice. Thanks, Alf. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right, that's it. There is no more. Enjoy the football game on Thursday. You actually get to watch football. Instead of yeah. us just talking about guys running around in their underwear, you get to watch football. All right, that's it. There is no more. We will talk to you guys next week. 
Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.